0: Audio presents What the Fatah with Tarek Fatah on News
1: Talk 1010. Hello there. hmm Oh, I wish life was like that. Merry Christmas, by the way. And I am not even going to try saying happy holidays. Just so that Tony over there and Mike can be offended. It's Merry Christmas, folks. Every other what can I say?
2: Happy Kwanzaa?
1: What is that? Well, where did what are you gonna say next? It's Merry Christmas. Can I play something that's called Christmas so that people can get offended? Here, people, start ready. Let's go and get offended. White people get offended. Merry Christmas. There's nothing there. Two white folks sitting behind the glass chamber can't find Christmas. Petrified, they'd be called racist if they said the words, Merry Christmas. There. I saw a video of some doing that. Anyway, I won't go there. But Merry Christmas anyway, folks. And uh, after what... 65 years, I keep reminding you all, I'm a senior citizen, I celebrated my first Christmas when I was three years old in a city called Karachi, and we went around singing Christmas carols with two friends whose last names were D'Souza, wonderful Catholic kids, older than me, but they must have been seven, eight. I went, tagged along with them, and sometimes when I look back, can you imagine? In today's Karachi, somebody going around singing Christmas carols? Ooh, what a thought. (laughs) I kill you. (laughs) But that was then, and this is now. Leading up to Christmas, one of my co-religionists has shot dead two NYPD officers. What a way to go. What a way to go. Ismail Abdullah Brimsley, uh, on his Facebook page, had displayed... Um, uh, pages of the Quran asking for striking and terror into the hearts of infidels. And there he went with a loaded automatic pistol, shot dead two cops, wonderful people, sons of someone, dads to others, Wenjin Liu and Rafael Ramos. Shot dead by Ismail Abdullah Brimsley, for no other reason that they were cops. Can you even fathom what would have gone through this man's head? The amount of hatred he must have felt in him to go and, uh, by the way, that's not how he went. The first thing this guy did was, I'm going to kill cops and shoot myself, so let's take out someone else. He goes to his ex-girlfriend's house. What a loser. Someone who obviously must have spurned him and told him, get out of my life, you idiot. He goes there, shoots her. She survived. And then he shoots dead two of New York's finest. I mean, if we didn't have police, we wouldn't have cities. We wouldn't have... Countries. This is the first sign of civilized society when police officers are paid for by the citizens to maintain law and order. Very difficult tasks, they often make mistakes. But to generate so much hatred towards someone who's there to protect you is just unthinkable. I am reminded, though, of an incident. From where I come from which I repeat most of the time uh, to folks listening because uh, we can learn from people who we do not even recognize have contributions to make. I'm talking about 1922 and a man called Mahatma Gandhi, of course most of you know uh, who he was, I think in this generation the true Prince of Peace. In 1922 He was leading India's non-cooperation movement against the British colonialists. And all over India, there were tens of thousands of people marching in defiance of British colonial authority when in one small town in Gorakhpur district, which is in Uttar Pradesh today, a mob surrounded a police station and burned... 22 cops alive. This was a turning point. And unlike many of the leaders who today are shifting blame as to what made this man kill two cops, Gandhi did something phenomenal. He called off the entire movement, went on a hunger strike to death, and said, very frankly, my people are not yet prepared to govern themselves or to behave in a way so as not to commit such an atrocity that to shove 22 policemen to their death. And even those three or four policemen who were caught outside the locked-up police station, they were beaten up and thrown into that house. The entire nation at that time of a few hundred million stopped their campaign. And Mr. Gandhi went to prison. 15 other people were jailed. An entire reshaping of the peace movement and the use of peaceful power to fight the enemy was adopted. No incidents like that took place again. And even after independence, Mr. Gandhi, to his credit, never held animosity towards those who had ruled his people for over 200 years. Looking at that incident, by the way, it's uh, for those of you who do know a bit about Indian history, it's known as the Chori Chora incident. That's the location. Today, you have uh, a tower with the names of all those who died over there, earmarked first built in 1975, then rebuilt by the Indian government. And it is a reminder to all of us that violence never, ever works. The battle of ideas, the battle for rights, the battle for human rights, civil rights, equality, even the battle against racism can never, ever move forward if you got a pistol packing in your back hip. No. Only the idiot the one without self-respect, with no dignity, with no honor in himself, with no idea of who he is, will take up arms in civilized society and shoot dead two people he never knew. Unbelievable crime committed by one of my co-religionists. And as I tweeted To the annoyance of many, I said, jihad comes to New York City. How much damage this one man has done to the civil rights movement without realizing what he was up to. But this is where one has to question the ACLU's of this world and the left-wing liberal movements who have embraced Islamists and sometimes terrorist organizations as their allies. And the first time I heard that the Ferguson movement had now gotten involved with CARE, the Canadian American Islamic something-something, which is a declared terrorist organization by the United Arab Emirates, I knew that trouble was in and something will go wrong. For these racists who consider the black people of this world as their slaves. The language for a black man in Arabic is ya'abdi, which is oh my slave. When they start speaking about black rights, you know that they don't want black rights. They want the Western white European civilization to collapse. And anyone on the left who could not have seen this coming should take a few steps back, like Mahatma Gandhi, sit down and say, I think we messed up. We should never have lit the fire that we couldn't control. Who was it, Chairman Mao said it, a single spark can cause a prairie fire? Well, that's what happens when you empower people who do not have reason or rationalism in their heads and ask them to stand up for the rights of the marginalized. This loser shot and tried to kill his ex-girlfriend? It reminds me of all those losers that I know of who never could find a date and then went on to join ISIS looking for 72 virgins in paradise, which, inshallah, they'll find out were all male.
0: Fatah with Tarek Fatah hmm. on News Talk 1010.
1: I like the way he asked that question. <laughs> so coming from the killings of two police officers, we now learn there's been a shooting and a Canadian dead at the Windsor border who uh, picked uh, pulled out a pistol from his pockets and then told these uh, I don't know whether they were Canadian or Americans say, "Hey, why haven't you shot me yet? Boom, and then he was shot dead. <laughs> Oh, losers, oh, losers, oh, losers. Well, before I go to my next guest, I must read the latest text message. This fellow sends a lot of texts, you know. He can always call me at 416-872-1010, but he prefers to spend 25 cents and send a text. It's saying, Tarek, you are talking nonsense. You ate simply playing to the waving gallery of the hypocrites? Oh, my God, this guy needs an ESL lesson. I am not, you think, credible. Uh, Why not speak the hurt, sadness, indignity, people of color to face North America, especially abracadabra, you, hey, suck up, you leave bare. Oh, my God, there's a huge industry out there for ESL teachers. So, my friend, uh, perhaps you might want to go there and then come back. You know, there is a way to insult folks. At least choose the language you could have written in Urdu, and I could have read this in, uh, on, on air. It's a very beautiful language, by the way. But next time, pick a language in which you can write to insult me. Having said that, just last week, something else happened. Again, in a country where I was born, 132 children. 132 young boys. Slaughtered in a school in the name of the creator and the religion of peace, which is my religion, of course, Islam, and everyone went topsy-turvy. Instead of reflecting on what hit them and realizing that when you mix a bit of poison and drink it with your halal beer, you might get acidity. No! The country of Pakistan decided, we will kill and hang, what is it, 4,000 people on death row. This was the commander-in-chief of the Pakistan army. Oh, Mr. Big Moustache. He looks like, more like a 1970s porn star, you know. He's a, I am Pakistan military big man. I killed 4,000 people. He tweeted that he would hang 4,000 people on death row to get back at the guys who killed the 144 kids in school. Why? Because his own soldiers were so scared facing up to the jihadis that in the end, the jihadis had to kill themselves to blow up everything else because the Pakistani soldiers were saying, well, well, you know, can we shoot at people who look so beautiful, you know, with scraggy beards and no moustaches? That's the type of people I'd like my son to grow up to. So, 132 people dead, a country reacts in absolute madness, and in studio with me is someone who's just come from Pakistan, not from Pakistan, but he's from Pakistan, but six months in this country, Professor Mansour Abbasi. Welcome to Talk 1010. Thank My you. guest uh, was last in Turkey, where he taught at a university, yes. and has been in the United States, where he did his PhD in English literature, and is right here. Tell us, Professor, what in the world has gone wrong in your country?
2: Uh, Well, um, there is so much written and of course uh, known in the West of what's happening in Pakistan. And it is a long story. I think Pakistan is um, destined to become what it is now. Um, And what is it? um, Is it a country? well most people would say no uh, because of um, the way things are going on and uh, certain um, uh, you know uh, confusion and um, uh, contradictions uh, in the creation of uh, pakistan and uh, the way um, islam is treated in pakistan and uh, the way indoctrination is done in pakistan is something that how is, is, is it very done long.
1: share it with me i I've, I've been out of that place since 1979 so maybe you've got you know, version 2.0 or something that I missed out. What is creating these monsters who kill children?
2: Well, you know, uh, ideology in Pakistan is used um, against um, initially as a bargaining chip with the West um, and then, of course, um, anti-India rhetoric. Pakistan is, you know, is obsessed with um, anti-Indianness and anti-India, you know, polity um as it is um so it has done uh, you know uh, over the years um especially through the curricula that is being taught in the schools and um, even in mathematics like um, you know teaching people uh, students jihad like okay if you how do you teach jihad in mathematics okay yeah so you yeah for instance and i think it's in grade three or grade four mathematics they say oh you have like um, if you give donate 20 rupees for jihad in kashmir so if 10 people give 20 rupees, how much does it make? So Are um, you serious? Yes. That is
1: in the curriculum?
2: Yes, it's in the curriculum. Um, so this is some. there is something really wrong with it. So, um, well, initially, as I said, it was used as a bargaining chip, but I think that the things have gone out of control and now um, so much damage is done that there is no shortcut for what's uh, happening in Pakistan. It needs a multi-pronged policy um, and also um some sort of like a serious soul searching in order to um respond to the challenges that the country is faced with. I,
1: I want you to walk me through what would make someone, six people fully armed, go into a public school and kill kids. I just want I cannot comprehend that. Well you know What were they thinking? What's in the mind of this guy who's been taught in a madrasa uh, who says, Oh, these guys look good. Let's kill them.
2: Well, you know, madrasas are the real um, breeding ground for terrorism. And um, as you know, that like about 70,000, you know, young minds are trained every year. Um, 70,000? Yes, approximately from, from religious madrasas in Pakistan and uh, their interpretation of religion. And they say, I mean, for instance, somebody uh, quoted Hadith that, um, you know, they are doing it in the name of Islam. And if you, uh, you know, they killed the students, according to them, uh, those who were, uh, you know, at the puberty age, um, they asked them and they did the right thing, according to their interpretation. Of uh, of of Islam, so they were doing something that is, uh, and they justified it not one time but repeatedly, like three four times. Um, uh, the spokesperson of the Taliban, um, you know, uh, what's stating, this got to do with puberty? Uh, oh, I,
1: I've got to take a br- br- break right now. Let me come back. This is getting quite interesting. Puberty and jihad. Uh, yeah. When we come back, we'll have more insight on what it takes to get killed.
0: Welcome back to What the Fatah on News Talk 1010. Here's Tarek Fatah.
1: Yeah, before the break, we were talking about puberty and death and why in some bizarre world uh, the way to escape death might be uh, to be uh, not puberty. (laughs) How do you say that? (laughs) But this is... Quite, it's not as funny as it sounds. Let me read a few uh, text messages. And this is from my wonderful friend, Ian Grant. He says, hi, Tarek. Ian Grant is a great Canadian and a man. Man, of course, Ian, you are. You are. I got another text from Guelph. Tarek, you the man. Never back down. Total respect to yours. And Oh, thank you so much. I think... In the world without fans, I am simply walking in the desert, you know. Maybe that text message was just a mirage. However, with me in the studio is Professor Mansur Abasi. Six months ago, he came to this country. is uh, an academic, uh, taught English literature in Turkey and in the United States. And I hope, I sincerely hope, he doesn't become one of those academics who drives cabs. No, I don't mean to, but uh, (laughs) that's not a good joke at your part. Now, you were talking about puberty, and why that accounted for some people dying in Peshawar by the Taliban, while others didn't.
2: Expand on that. Uh, Yes, they were, um, uh, they were kids. And um, as I said earlier that like, uh, you know, these uh, can the Taliban who, who shot, uh, I mean, they are the same people who shot um, uh, Malala Yousafzai and these kids. So they get their, um, you know, um, credence to their claim from the text. And uh, they have, um, I mean, their spokesman quoted a hadith that the prophet did, I mean, you know, prophet authorized to kill children um Muslim uh well non Muslims at the time like those who were who reached the at the age of, of, of puberty. So it was quite um acceptable. Um uh, This is about uh, the battle between the Jewish tribe right, of right, right. Right, right. Um, so, um, so this is how they justify, and uh, this is how they get their, um, you know, um, acceptance, license to kill, license basically. to kill, and also uh, not only license, but some sort of an acceptance um, in the society in apologists. Um, so, uh, that's why within Pakistani society, um, these, uh, they're sympathizers and then um, at the argument level they say, well, you know, uh, the Pakistani constitution says that we cannot make any law w- which is against Quran and Sunnah. Now the question is like, you know, who has the authority to interpret? Um, so Pakistani government says that it's, a, it's an Islamic constitution, but they want to make it more Islamic and they say that. Um, and no, a Pakistani constitution is 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 a, is a, is a British um, co- based on British common law, so it is not Islamic enough. Um, so there is a serious crisis of authority, and nobody wants to take responsibility. And um, whereas they have sympathizers, especially uh, within within Pakistan's establishment, the military. The establishment, military as well. Yes, uh, Pakistan's military establishment, and uh, they want to uh, use them. Uh, so, for instance, the, the, the release of the uh, Zakir Rahman Lakhvi, uh, so, uh, the, the... Oh,
1: this is the man who, who was the
2: mastermind behind the Bombay, Mumbai bombing. Yes, Mumbai, um, uh, Mumbai attacks. Uh, so his release from anti-terrorist court uh, was, uh, was quite um, uh, symbolic although um, uh, you you can argue about the, the the law of the evidence and all that, but like is released the next day of the incident and this horrific incident in Peshawar was quite symbolic that like, yes, I mean all so
1: why do you think the Americans support uh, the Pakistani military? Um it's a million dollar question. I mean, I think that oh, it could uh, be a billion dollar question because <laughs> President Obama just uh, two days ago gave the Pakistan military.
2: A billion dollars after this incident happened. Yes. Um, well, the thing um, w- my understanding is that um, uh, that uh, I think like army is uh, has a converging interest with the United States at this point. And perhaps they have assured that they will do something against the militants who are against uh, probably the America- Americans, the Americans. But, uh, the Do you real, believe that? Uh, well, this is what at least, you know, they would they would uh, assure them, as I said. I mean, you know, because otherwise um, or um, so, something like that. But I, I'm i really skeptical about uh, whether they are really uh, going against, uh, you know, quote-unquote good Taliban. Um, I mean, the people like... How Lushka can you Taliban. tell the good Taliban from the bad Taliban?
1: What well, What is this? Well... It well, seems quite confusing. I've talked to a few friends and... Uh, Frankly, I think that no one in the West seems to have a grasp of what to make of this. Uh,
2: because it's a very complicated situation. I mean, like, you know, um, uh, Pakistan's military is very good at hunting with the hound and running with the hare. Um they have done it. They know how to deal with the uh, with the Americans and they have experience for the past like 30 years uh, of uh, well, you know, practical engagement. And even before that, since the inception of the country, 1947. Um. Uh, so I think that the uh, that the situation in Pakistan, um, vis-a-vis like the Taliban, is quite complex and complicated, because it's like sometimes the line really blurs because they have not only sympathizers but the practical people who are who are the Taliban supporters and who worked in some capacity like intelligence all that. Within Pakistan's establishment, you know, military bureaucracy and sympathizers within uh, within uh, mainstream uh, political parties. And look what happened with the political parties who who openly opposed uh, the Taliban um, into twenty thirteen election. They practically, you know, uh, lost um, um, uh, election. They were not even allowed to to do campaigning uh, in the election, and uh, and uh, they, they they lost.
1: So, do you think Pakistan has turned around and will go after? islamic terrorism or this is just another uh, threat another problem that the west will have to tackle
2: well i think it's too early to say that they will go around and go against because like as i said that the, it is a very very serious problem and it's a homegrown problem and there is no shortcut solution for it and and, and i i mean after a week time you would see that like you know probably the consensus that apparently is there in country may not be there a a week or 10 days from now. So um, this is something that uh, we have, for instance, I mean, like, you know, they have, um, you know, Pakistan media, for instance, by and large is parroting the establishments line. So, So you would come across certain, you know, people in media who were saying, look, I mean, you know, there are already intelligence reports. They were saying that, like, the, the carnage or uh, these kids who were killed in the school in, in Peshawar was actually, uh, you know, done by by the Indian uh, intelligence agency, which is like a ridiculous claim. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they just like a uh, conspiracy theories or... Um,
1: Let me just read a text uh, that's come in from Toronto. The, it says, the, the answer to the question about why the United States supports Pakistan is that Pakistan is a nuclear power and us would prefer to have pakistan in their camp rather than as an outright
2: enemy does that make sense well you know the, the, this is one way of uh, looking at uh, looking at it that uh, i mean uh, well uh, well the, the the interesting part is like in generally in the you know this is how the media management in pakistan is that the us wants pakistan to break up while it's quite the opposite of that because like um, i think pakistan, the united
1: states of america is partly responsible for the mess it uh, finds itself over there. Uh, Mm -hmm. A former U.S. Assistant Secretary of State is being investigated for having worked with Pakistanis intelligence agencies.
2: That's a very high level uh, of uh, leakage. So. Yes. Uh, so uh, I mean, as I said, that like I mean, they, they, I mean, uh, it's it's a ridiculous claim that the U.S. wants Pakistan to you know break into pieces and all that. In fact, it's like supporting all well, practically, I mean, like um, uh, gives billions of dollars to to, to Pakistan's military. And it's well,
1: uh, well. Thank you very much for your insight uh, coming in. I was talking to uh, Professor uh, Mansur Basi uh, Thank you. Uh, teacher's at a university in turkey the keshi university over there has recently arrived here and uh, it's almost confusing if you look at the pakistani challenge i doubt in anyone in canada has a clue what happens we have to take a break when we come back we'll talk more about why not christmas
0: Eric Vita, on News Talk 1010.
1: Welcome back. The station where we take apart the United States of America like no civil war could. The stupidity galore that is coming out from there seems to have no end in sight. Imagine if General Motors were asked by the United States government that if attacked, you have to arrange your own anti-aircraft guns or U.S. Steel, or any other corporation, every time a country is physically attacked, the way to protect is by the country's armed forces or security agencies, but not in the United States of America. If North Korea attacks Sony Corporation, the American government acts as if, oh, they should have talked to me. (laughs) It's your business to make sure that nobody intrudes into your territory, whether by tanks, missiles, aircraft, or cyber attacks. What sort of a world is being created where the defenses of our cities, our businesses, our corporations, our factories, our economy, would be the hand of the people who employ us? Because that's what Barack Obama has suggested. Sony Corporation should have defended itself for cyber attack. Then what the hell is the Pentagon there for? Just to display your aircraft carriers, no boots on the ground, just automated missile attacks from bombers flying 20,000 feet in the air, making Kurds do your dirty fighting while you sit back on tours of duty. And what surprised me is that nobody found it odd that a private corporation was being asked to defend itself from an attack by a sovereign nation. And then Sony Corporation. Now, these are our employers in the West. They buckled. They got scared by little old Kim. (laughs) Kim running around, I kill you, I kill you. Ahmed, the dead terrorist could bring down the American government. I kill you, I'm a comedian, but I kill you. Is a bunch of wimps. They don't know how to fight. They can't stop a cyber attack. They can't even watch a movie on Christmas Day. And a bad movie for that. A comedy is being censored? Is this the same president who stopped another film? Who's saying that Sony had to release a film? How did people get elected? And then, when the Americans do the right thing, for example, re-establishing relations with Cuba people lining up to say, oh, that is just unacceptable. It's a dictatorial government over there, oh, really, eh? And Saudi Arabia is the finest, charming democracy, where gay rights thrive and, uh, uh, what can I say, gender equality ensures that a queen can ride a car, maybe a donkey car. But what atrocious reaction from the right-wing Republicans. Senator Marius got tears in his eyes. Senator McCain, who has no problems, America having diplomatic relations with Vietnam has a problem with the United States having diplomatic relations with Cuba. What's the difference between the two? Oh, at one place, we can get cheap manufacturing done because the labor costs are low, and in the other... Oh, we just have, uh, you know, like George Bush had, the, the junior Bush had a revenge thing against Saddam Hussein. You insulted my papa, I will kill you. That's it. what American politics has come to. Well, let's talk to Jeff from Aurelia. What happened here?
0: Good Jeff. Good afternoon, sir.
1: Yes, sir. How can I help
0: you? Well, you can. I'm beyond help. Everybody knows that. Okay. But, Derek. Uh, the, the part that I find really, really disgusting and I find, personally I find reprehensible is the fact that you've got this knee-jerk reaction from the U.S. government for the sake of commerce, much like the, uh, the first thing that came out of George Bush's mouth after the 9-11 attack was, go out and shop, you know, and yet they do very, very little to protect children and with the appropriate legislation uh, and the law courts in dealing with kids that are being cyberbullied,
1: that's true. I didn't think about that.
0: You know, like if you look at the correlation of, they're more than willing it with this this uh, uh, hack attack to 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 protect commerce, but they won't protect children.
1: Yeah, but they're not even ready to protect the country. Leave aside I know. the children.
0: I know, like it just it, it to me it just it, and and the thing is is that the threats ca- coming from North Korea would be tantamount to de- uh, a declaration of war. Well, I just I, I, not in in my wildest dreams would I ever think that uh, uh, Kim Jong Il uh, has the, uh, the 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 stupidity of doing something like that.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Je- Jeff,
0: for sharing. Well, I just thought your... that I you know j- just. To, to, you know, just a grain of thought, because it just, you know, just it just there's something something askew here, and I don't know, understand why.
1: Well, it's the United States of America. The excited snakes. <laughs>
0: you
1: take care, sir. Thank you, Bill Enwittby. You you think that Sony uh, should not have made the movie? Yeah, first of all, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. My okay. God, you're the first Canadian to say so. <laughs> hey, it's Christmas. What are we going to say, right? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. You, you could say, Hanukkah, say you happy... Jewish,
0: happy Hanukkah, too.
1: Uh, happy Hanukkah, too. You could, you'd could. you have to say too many other things. But listen, uh, but take you know, it. F- you, know,
0: you know what? You yeah. know what? Sony, first of all, why would you make this movie? I know there was a George Bush killed, killed George Bush, but he's a sitting leader of a country.
1: It's not a country. It's a concentration camp, for yeah, goodness well, sake.
0: Yeah, well, well, yeah. But you know what? It, it, what would happen if another country in the world made a movie about, let's kill Barack Obama, let's assassinate him?
1: I think that it's a movie. It's fiction, Bill. It's, it's, I mean, we're doing the Salman Rushdie thing over here. It's you know a, and I,
0: One thing is, I hope Sony's not playing us all. Because I know that this movie what it would cost like $40 million to make, it would not even have made $40 million. The trailers were terrible. The, re- the first reviews of it were
1: terrible. I know, but I don't think uh, Sony would go through this elaborate ruse of creating its own... Uh, it would backfire if it ever came out. I don't think so. I think the Americans have really not understood that uh, to fight... Uh, that security of your uh, internal structures is the dem- uh, is the responsibility of the American government, the Pentagon. Hey, I,
0: you know what's really funny. Uh, last thing, Terry, if if intelligent people haven't figured out by now that things can be hacked, that's a sad statement in itself.
1: It's it's serious. But thank you very much. Uh, take care. Take care. You know, this is. One would want to scratch one's head. It's North Korea. They can't make bicycles, for goodness sake. They don't have telephone lines. They have nothing. And they brought down a large American corporation with a president saying, you got to have talked to me first. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> they say lame duck, they don't say it for nothing. I mean, uh, let me let me, let me me read a few texts over here. To understand the geopolitics of the U.S., you have to sometimes make some assumptions which seem illogical, but in the end you will understand. Think about the architects of the invasion of Iraq or the support of the Mujahideen. Maybe the spelling is wrong. That's okay. The U.S. has narrow interests driven by special corporations do not think that the U.S. is honorable. I didn't say that. I, I just think it makes common sense for the American politicians or statesmen or congressmen to be protective about America. How could all of the United States not worry about itself, but worry about their uh, IRAs? Is that what it's called in the United States? Everyone is concerned about the personal career paths and the wealth they will acquire and leave behind when they're dead. It's unbelievable. There are no people of honor left. There is no LBJ. There is no JFK. There's not even uh, Ronald Reagan anywhere around. Perhaps Jeb Bush, they say, is seeking to run again uh, I, I, I think he would be an appropriate president, especially if he's running against Hillary Clinton, who scares the bejesus out of me. But uh, uh, things can be pretty bad if the United States of America does not change course and realizes that it is at war with not just countries for which its navy was manufactured, but it is at war with people who live within itself people who rely on American laws to make sure that America becomes weaker, that America becomes timid, that America can't even call its enemies the word enemy. I mean, we just got a guy who's a convert or maybe born into Islam, killing down two American police officers, and nobody could say that the guy's Facebook pages shows that he was inspired by Islamic religious text to kill a police officer. No one is saying that. Oh, by the way, I have another text message saying, Merry Christmas, Tariq, and thank you. You are the best, Sally. Oh, I am the best. I am the best. There should be a song about me. Good. Sorry, Tariq, I cannot call you because I am traveling. What? What was that? <laughs> if you're traveling. But well, folks, uh, thank you very much for being uh around to listen to what I have to say. Most of it sometimes is uh, uh, off the cuff and does not fit into conventional wisdom. But perhaps that's why Newstalk 1010 keeps me and tolerates me to be an hour a week. More than that would be quite a pain. But once a week is good enough. I want to thank Mike and Tony for being over here. And for goodness sake, people, say Merry Christmas. no one who will call you a racist if you said Merry Christmas without saying Happy Banana Day or Happy Orange Day or Happy Coconuts in India Day or Happy South Antarctic um, um, you know, whatever it is. Oh, in the Arctic, that's what's happening. No, it's Christmas! So Merry Christmas, everyone, and if you don't celebrate it or say it, I kill you! Take care! that happens.